And we're back with another This Week at Windsor, Arden Beach, your host once again. And joining me, of course, Dr. J, Jonathan Hoffman. Good evening. Good evening. Great to be with you. How has the reception been from last week's episode? Well, judging by our analytics, I can tell you that we had more clicks on last week's episode than we did on the quarterly Zoom meeting last year. So wow. we're doing well. Good. And with our special guest tonight, double, probably probably triple, triple the numbers, I'm guessing. Expectations are high. Because we have Beck from Kachan School of Tumbling and Performance. Good evening. Hi, Arden. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Hi, Jonathan. So glad you're here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Now, you guys, I, I suppose, are, are a pretty massive part, really, of the church here, because you take over half of it. <laughs> that we do, and um, definitely over the years, we've slowly but surely worked towards taking over um, more, but I, we're just a part of this awesome community, and we're really proud and grateful to be here. And it seems like year after year, comp after comp, you, do, you guys just keep producing champions. Yeah, I mean, we love what we do, and um, certainly back when we started in 2009, not here, um, you know, we didn't know what the, the future was going to hold for us. We just knew that this was what we wanted to do with our lives, and um, it's just taken on its own life force year after year, and through hard work and dedication, not just from us and our staff, but obviously the amazing families that we have, that we've been blessed to meet over the years, um, we just have been achieving really cool things so um, we don't really set too many targets on ourselves we've just put the work in day in day out and and then good things come for the uninitiated explain tumbling the sport of tumbling okay so the best way to explain it is um, what you see in a gymnastics routine which everybody knows um, in the big on the big square floor when they do their spectacular tumbles from corner to corner on that floor that's tumbling however we do it on a 25 meter long track um, and they travel along at quite high speeds doing lots of flips and twists and whips which is when they actually go from feet to feet and then the whole idea is to make your way to the end of that 25 meters and do a big spectacular trick at the end and land on your feet so it's not very well known but we've definitely made it our mission over our years to try and put it out there within the community as best we can so that we can raise awareness to this awesome sport because we think it's great. Literally, you guys have produced world champions yeah. here out of the gym at Windsor. Can you explain the, the relationship or I perhaps the balance between athlete and coach? Mm -hmm. So definitely, we um, have always adopted the, the culture that it has to be a cohesive Thing that's happening between the athlete and the family, the club and the coach. Um, we all have to be on the same page and we all have to be open and honest about what we're trying to achieve. Gym kids are actually pretty great kids. You know, they spend a lot of time in the gym, but they're learning a lot as well. Um, and they just love it. They absolutely love it. So they want to do it in every facet that they possibly can. Um, and it just creates a really nice um community vibe within the gym um, everybody looks out for each other everybody supports one another um, and that just continues right the way through into their teenage years and now we're fortunate enough to have people who have been with us from the very beginning into their adult years and um, Dimmer often talks about you know those people having their kids in the gym so you know we're still we're still got a long way to go I think yep. when you produce someone who's competing at the world stage 
Who gets the credit? Where's the credit due? Oh, it's definitely Dimmer. <laughs> However, if you talk to Dimmer, he'll always tell me that I'm sort of behind it. He doesn't always say it in the nicest way. He might mean like, Bex made me do this and Bex made me do that. Um, it's definitely a roller coaster ride. You have to ride the ups and the downs. Um, and on the down days, I have to reassure him that he's doing the right thing. And I believe this is what he's on this earth to do because he's fantastic at it. He's um, respected not just within our gym community, but within Australia and even the world. You know, um, he'll take a message at all hours of the day, night, um, about somebody from either the other side of the world or the other side of the country who's just looking for his input to what one of their athletes is doing. And he never stops. He's always researching. He's always evolving. He's always changing the gym so that we continue to move with the um, ability and the expectations of the athletes. And um, he's just tireless. And, and that's where everything comes from. So 100%, it, it comes down to him and the work that he does with that athlete. Well, it's a, I think from certainly from the church community perspective, it's a real pleasure and an honour to host you guys here in the building. It's fantastic having you here. That means so much to, to Dimmer and I because we... I, I can't say strongly enough how grateful we are. You know, the thought to leave and go somewhere else. A lot of people might think that we could have a different facility. Say, you know, especially when they hear about us run up. You know, we've got a week full of rain ahead of probably the biggest competition that our athletes have, have ever had. And we can't open the doors to give them a full length run up. You know, things like that people don't understand. They're like, well, why wouldn't you just move? And all the years that we set up and packed away every week, why wouldn't you just move? This just feels like part of our story. And being here is very special to us. And we definitely feel very rooted here. And um, we're just so, so lucky that the churches have allowed us to um, grow as we have. And we know that we wouldn't be where we are without that. So for us, it's it means everything that we're valued in the same way. Well, thanks for coming along tonight. We'd better let you go and, and dump a bunch of little ones into <laughs> cars waiting out in the driveway. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, thanks for coming along. It's been great catching Thank up. Thank you so much for and, having me. And we love having you part of the, the family here at WDBC. We love being here. Great catching up with Beck there. And they're, they're really kind of part of the, um, I guess, the extended church family here. Absolutely. They're such a lovely group such a lovely club that they're running and we couldn't be happier to have them as tenants and just want to support them in their endeavors really really proud of what they're doing and we do need to mention too she didn't really want to talk about it too much and kind of toot her own horn but um beck from kachan was saying they've got a massive saturday afternoon planned so from three to five i think it is they've got all kinds of markets and, and community stuff going on for folks that want to come along it would be great if people could get behind it because it is a fundraiser they've got a bunch of people heading over to the u.s i think that's right. They're heading to Birmingham, Alabama. Of all places, the Tumbling World Games are in Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama. I wonder if most uh, Alabamites, if that's what they call them, uh, even know what tumbling is. But uh, they're doing a great, uh, they're doing so well. Australia has chosen all their representatives to come from the Kachan School of Tumbling and Performance. So that's a big feather in their cap. And they're going to be raising funds this Saturday between 2 and 5. I know markets are going from 2 to 4. And then from 4 to 5 is a formal presentation where they're going to give an opportunity to hear from the athletes and the coaches as they prepare to go. So, yeah, so if folks can help them raise some money, that'd be great. Now, I'm just going to take a break and go grab a cup of coffee. But we do have some other guests coming in now. Absolutely. Emily Johnson and Joanna Hoffman, our worship coordinator and minister of community life, respectively, are coming in to chat about the food and family, which we're starting up this Sunday. How are we? Doing well. 
Well, I'm super excited to have you guys here. We have something coming up this Sunday that we're kicking off. It is called Food and Family. Food and Family is what we're calling it because that's just what we are. We just finished feasting on the Word of God. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan. And then we'll come together to feast on sausages. True Aussie style. Nice. <laughs> I love it. I like a good pun to get us in the mood for Sunday. Uh, no, tell us about the tell us about the inspiration behind this. How are we? Yeah, what are we focusing on right now? And what's kind of the what's the impetus behind getting together and celebrating with food? We had a creative meeting um, with like the yeah the worship leader Janelle. Um, myself, a few other key people, um, just to think ahead about the new sermon series, like what is the church and different ways that we could, yeah, just just make that an engaging time and, and help people sort of get together. And one of the things that came from that meeting was having, yeah, just a space for community, especially post-COVID, like being able just to, to gather again together. Yeah. Um, well, I see this as a great Holy Spirit moment because similar to that is uh, I've been working for a couple months mm. now with a community focus group. And we've mm. been talking about how we can uh, breathe on what's already happening, just encouraging community yeah. uh, among us kind of in a behind the scenes way yeah. and opportunities to just get together casually keeps coming up. And then your email came out and we thought, this is something that's wanted. This is something that's happening. Mm. How can we breathe on this? So our focus group is just going to kick it off with a sausage sizzle this Sunday. But the thought is to have the first Sunday of each month an opportunity to have lunch together mm. and to keep it really simple. So the focus is having lunch together, not putting on another church event. Mm. So first Sunday of the month rolls around. We get together after the church service. This is in the morning. And then we have some food together. I wonder if you could talk about what takes place, do you think, like as a community? What happens when you're sharing food together, when you're sharing in that space? Does that change the dynamic at all? Like it sounds like we're just feeding people, but maybe there's something more to that. What would you say? Um, I think that eating together breaks down boundaries. I actually once had a boss in um, a job I was in and he n intentionally never ate with the people that he worked with, except for once a year when he took us all out for the staff lunch. And he did that intentionally to try and keep a healthy sort of barrier that he, he was a very lovely man, but um, that he thought was important in the workplace. And what that spoke to me was his intentionality to eat with us once a year. And I think that eating together, I mean, we see Jesus eating with people all the time. And what did he do the first time he saw the disciples on the beach and after he rose again, he ate with them. He had breakfast cooking for them. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't big and fancy. He never did anything fancy, but he did a lot of things big. So mm -hmm. that's what we're doing here. Just being together, breaking down boundaries, getting to know one another. It's easy to have a chat when you've got a sausage in your hand and, and kids running around and say, oh, how are you? What's going on for you? And mm -hmm. it's a little bit more relaxed pace too because um, it's lunch. Not much mm -hmm. else can happen. You can't do something else. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea, what you're saying about breaking down boundaries and barriers. It's, it's definitely an equalizer, isn't it? 
uh, something we all need, right? We don't, we don't, everybody's got to eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Emily, if you could maybe tell us a little bit about, you've been in this church for how long? How long have you been a part of WDBC? Oh, for as long as I've been alive. Yeah, <laughs> my whole life. I feel like you deserve a plaque or something. <laughs> I'm sure that there's people Lifetime who have been achievement. here longer. So I feel like uh, still catching up. Yeah. Still catching up. Uh, do you have any like memorable meals, like any any things that the church has put on in uh and over the course of your whole life, I guess I can say that since you've been here your whole life, like over the course of your whole life, any memorable WDBC uh, gatherings over food that stick out to you? Oh, so many. I, I mean, I was, um, I mean, I've enjoyed them all, really. Every time we get together, yeah, especially the whole church. We used to have this dinner um, in, the, in the big hall. Uh, that was, yeah, just appreciating the different ministries and, and things that went on. And we used to yeah sit there with like Haley Haley Lamb and yeah Jamie and all of us young sort of kiddies <laughs> <laughs> and yeah we sort of just yeah sit and eat together which was always really fun um, I think maybe the we just sort of did our own thing though I'm not sure how how much we participated yeah I think too missed it I think we climbed up on the roof <laughs> during that during that dinner we could see everyone we felt like kings <laughs> like now I know why you remember it. yeah <laughs> somehow we got into the into the walls but um so I want to talk a bit about belonging because I think it's something that a lot of people would like to feel they'd like to feel like they belong but maybe they struggle to feel like they belong um you two have been in various communities in your your life how would you say for yourself you know when you belong like what's what's a sign for you that you've like ah okay now i'm now i'm in or um, maybe if that's you know another question might be like what are some things that that show that you're not in yet what what are th- some things that you look for personally in your own life i see belonging as as being known and being welcomed and of course there's different levels and stages of belonging a a picture that i had you know when i have people into my home i love to just welcome them in i actually uh, am always glad when they bring something because then they know their contribution is welcome Mm. and then i love to have people in my kitchen and if they ask for something i say oh it's over there and let them rummage through my drawers or my pantry they belong they're welcome in my kitchen and that's what I would love to have here at church. I want something that's easily replicable. I'm just going to keep saying that word because I think if you feel like you're coming to the church and you're free to rummage around in the kitchen and figure out where the, the tongs are and where we've stored that last stash of paper plates, well, you belong. You can dig through the, that odd drawer with the rest of us. So um, I see belonging as something as you're allowed to see behind the scenes and you can help us problem solve and figure things out. We're not putting on a show for you. It would be a success to me if over the course of time, people want to invite their friends to church and they think I want to invite them on the first Sunday of the month. Mm. Cause that's when I know they'll get to meet the rest of my family. Mm. That's when I don't have to go home and make sure lunch is prepared for them. I know that they'll be welcomed in to my family so I think it's for anybody that rocks up that day it's um just a couple of dollars and if you tap or cash and if you don't even have that we're really covering it and it's totally fine we've actually got somebody donating the sausages uh, Mm -hmm. for this first one so everybody's welcome bring a friend and um hopefully you'll quickly call this place home and want to invite other people into your home Mm. 
All right, thanks, Emily. Thanks, Joanna. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks for having us, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jono. <laughs> That's just weird. You can't call me John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't That's mean terrible. that. Jay <laughs> Jay That's hilarious. Great to have you back, Arden. We uh, we did our best not to break anything, but uh, it's good to have you back. And now that you're back, I thought uh, you know we've been talking about church life. We've been talking about what it means to belong and to be part of a community. And one of my roles as a pastor is to bring people into the community of faith. And Christ has given us the ordinance of baptism to do that. And I'll never forget some of my memorable baptism experiences. But I wonder if you could tell me, do you have any memories from your first baptism? I guess your only baptism. But <laughs> only maybe baptism. even baptized. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, mine was amazing. My dad baptized me at, uh, at Bathurst Baptist Church. And afterwards, one of the, the older gentlemen came up to dad and said, oh, Jeff, like I could just see the joy in your face, like you were just radiating in that moment. And what had happened was I was too tall for the baptismal thing. <laughs> And so when he dunked me down under the water, my head scraped on the <laughs> on the edge of the wall, and he could feel it, and I could feel his hand shaking on my back, trying not to laugh. But apparently, it just looked like joy, so that's good. Oh man, what a, what a great memory! Well, I got, I got one. I was baptized in Lake Mead, which is sort of around Las Vegas. It's technically in Arizona. And apparently I read just a few weeks ago that the drought there is so bad that the water's been receding for quite some time. And they actually found some bodies in barrels in Lake Mead. Wow. So I don't know what to do with that. But cold uh, case. <laughs> yeah, cold case. Very, very sad. I have a couple of funny baptism stories from my time as a pastor. One of them was the, one of the first people I ever baptized was a, a a person who had a, rod, a steel rod right up their back you know, it was for a condition that they had. And I wasn't used to the mechanics of baptism. And I remember uh, we'd sort of walked into the water, but we hadn't walked in really far enough. And uh, again, I was so busy thinking about what I was going to say. And I was thinking about the significance of that moment that when it actually came time to uh, to baptize the person, I remember I leaned them back. But because of because of this condition they had, they really didn't have the the core strength to sort of gently go down into the water and it was like it was like a tree falling in the forest it was like the, it was like a belly flop but in reverse it was like a back flop and i think everybody heard it everybody standing on the shore i, I feel so bad uh, for, for that guy but uh anyway these things that you do when you're when you're just starting out now some uh, some big news coming out of the u.s this week of course with uh roe v wade um being overturned by the supreme court a lot of people up in arms in the US about it. As an Australian, I suppose it's difficult to, to kind of weigh in on the on the subject. Um, how, how are you feeling about the whole thing? First of all, I think we don't want to shy away from real world issues that are happening. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's nice to tell stories and talk about church events and things that are happening, but it's important to realize that there's some significant issues that we're wrestling with as a society really in the West. And I know there's different contexts and the American context, even within itself, is quite fragmented as is being seen and played out over social media. It took me back to high school, actually, when we were debating this in our social sciences classes and um, having to articulate positions for both sides. I think a few things are sticking with me. Uh, one is sitting here where I am now as a, as a father of four. Um, having lived, you know, uh, some years, not not as many as others, but having lived for a little while, I think I can appreciate the complexity in a way that maybe I didn't before. And I can't even imagine what that would be for a woman. Um, I think as, as men, we need to be 
we need to be prudent when we speak into these spaces. Um, and so I, I'm, I recognize that, that there is a level of nuance required in our conversation that unfortunately is often lacking. Um, I think, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hide my position. Um, I believe that God is the giver of life and I do believe life begins at conception. Um, that being said, I realize that, that, that there is uh, a number of women who, who for circumstances outside their control end up uh, becoming pregnant and, and the prospect um, of an abortion is, is almost seen as a mercy uh, to them in, in those cases. Um, I was very glad to read a piece by Tish Warren in the New York Times, an opinion piece in which she brought out some really helpful discussion. Um, and I think one of the things that, that she said was body autonomy is, is really a myth. Um, it's easy to try to see things in terms of body autonomy, and this is this is my body, this is this is my right, and and every person does have dignity, but there's actually an interdependence, uh, an interdependence in the creating of life, an interdependence in the giving of life, and so to simply uh, look at body autonomy, I think, and make that the sole focus is probably a little bit short-sighted. I mean, none of us have true body autonomy. You don't have the right to go out and. Uh, choose to kill someone or choose to you know mm. steal from them or uh, you know even some some forms of speech are rightly prohibited like yelling fire in a movie theater there's an interdependence uh, in life and uh, an interdependence between a, a man and a woman in the giving of life and an interdependence in uh, in the mother and the child to try to pull that interdependence apart entirely is going to leave us in a situation um, it's really going against biology and the way that God God had created us to be. From a practical standpoint, what does the what does the ruling mean? I, th I forget the exact wording, but essentially, it's now illegal on a, on a federal level. But that decision would then rest with local authorities or, or or governing bodies, something like that. So glad you asked this question because the media outlets can kind of confuse the issue. Technically, as I understand it, what the court decided was that it was not a constitutional right to be able to have an abortion. Now, what that means is it opens the door for some states in the United States to enact prohibitions against certain forms of abortion. Before, when they tried to do that, it went up to the Supreme Court and the court struck those, those laws down saying they were unconstitutional because they viewed the Constitution guaranteeing a right to an abortion. So the court has not made abortion illegal there's plenty of states where you can, you know, a woman could still get an abortion, and there's some states that are really embracing an opportunity there to to facilitate that for women. Uh, on the other hand, uh, it does allow a great number of states. I think uh, on the side of Dobbs, there was something like 27 states. Don't quote me on that exactly, but about 27 states which had laws that they were ready to enact that implemented either restrictions or, in some cases, prohibitions on certain forms of abortion, and so the court effectively allowed the states to make those laws. And so that's leaving the situation as it is today. Well, I think that's probably about it for another week. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. Can I hit a couple things just real quick before we go? You've got one minute. One minute. Here we go. Put the 60 seconds on the clock. Now it's 55. Uh, first of all, this week, 930, we're coming back to our old start time. So anybody who shows up at nine o'clock, you're going to be too early. Anybody shows up at 1030, you're going to be too late. So 930 is the time. If you want to come to pray, you can come at 830. 
Uh, we're going back to just one morning service and one evening service, so we look forward to worshiping with everybody there. Cool. Okay, this week at Windsor, we'll do it all again soon.